the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. Some big headlines out there this morning to go with the market numbers. Headlines like Yum! Brands downgraded over China concerns. Owner of the fast food chains Kentucky Fried Chicken. Pizza Hut and Taco Bell cut to market performer from outperform at Raymond James. Yeah, I'm shares falling about 2% on that news. Ultimately, Raymond James said that China's new middle class is a wild card if the global recession does indeed unfold. In recent years, Yum has made a huge push into China, which accounts for about 50% of the company's total profit. And the quote out of the research note was there's no roadmap for investors to follow to handicap the risk to the Chinese consumer spending. That's pretty fair to say. That's one of those things that as an investor you have to feel very, very comfortable with is that if you believe in China, you don't really know what happens in worst-case scenarios. Facebook lower this morning, slipping 3% to about 26.97, just under 27 bucks a share. Bernstein is initiating a social networking company's stock with an underperform rating and a price target of 25 buckaroos. Gold is edging lower this morning as oil trades at $83 a barrel. Now, when oil falls apart, it's good for the transport companies, sort of. Oil is a reflection of the stock market. Oil is a reflection of the economy and expectations for demand. So we do pay attention to oil. We do not ignore it. Weaker oil tells us weaker economy, and it's ultimately... Not really what we want to hear, all things considered. Salesforce.com in the news this morning. Uh, big tech company, cool tech company. They've won a lot of business in the last few years. They've got great backlog. They're uh, a little bit lower this morning. Salesforce said they're going to acquire Buddy Media, a social media marketing company, for $689 million. I'm not sure what that's all about. I'd like to learn a little bit more about Buddy Media and see how that might potentially not go in Salesforce.com. Uh, business relationships. Chesapeake Energy is higher. This is a company that has been battered. They've been fried. They've been left for dead. Ultimately, energy stocks across the board are sinking today. Um, but Chesapeake Energy is holding up pretty well because of their recent uh, collapse, I think is probably the, the faces way, safest way of saying that. Laboratory Corporation of America, they're going to pay $27 a share in cash to buy MedTalk Scientific. Deal valued at $241 million. The price value is MedTox at a premium of about 37% over its closing price. Laboratory Corporation of America, more and more, more Americans are getting tests done. More and more doctors are ordering tests. Tests have become cheaper. They've become scientifically a lot more appealing. 
And uh, this is something that has definitively, definitively changed in the healthcare industry for the positive as an investor if you continue to look at it that way. Stocks for the long run. Hmm. Things to think about. A lot of people think the United States is kind of like a Japan scenario where it's an older society getting older. And uh, as we get older, we start saving a little bit more and spending a little bit less. Uh, We try to hold on to our monetary assets as long as we possibly can. And uh, if we do turn out to be a Japan it is not going to be good to be an investor for the next 10 years. You're going to be buying lower and lower and lower. The question is, will capitalism trump our aging society? Comedian Bill Maher, he's revealed a stake in the New York Mets, which is interesting, political comedian that he is. He bought a minority stake in the New York Mets when the majority owners were selling portions of the franchise earlier this year to cover debt. Bill Maher, he hosts HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, was born in New York City and said he's been a Mets fan since he was six. He attended last night, 6-1 win over the Cardinals. Um, he was on the field for pregame batting practice with Mets CEO Jeff Wilpon. His quote that came out of him was, I've really never wavered in my love for this team. Uh, we were, were thrilled in 69, we were thrilled in 86, and I think we'll be thrilled again very soon. you got to believe I do. Kind of cool to be able to own a baseball team. I don't know. It's, uh, if there is something that I would want to own, and trust me, my materialism does not go as deep as you would imagine, maybe a minor league hockey team. Uh, so you can see you know, young men, uh, young boys become young men, so to speak. I don't want to sound creepy there. Uh, or I don't want to sound too creepy, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, so anyway, take a look at the stock market right now. It, the S&P 500 valuation, it slipped below its 2011 levels. Uh, so this is an incredible buying opportunity. The market should roar in the back half of the year. The increase in American jobless rate recently jumped from 8.1 to 8.2%, and that's got people scared. It, we're not adding jobs where we should be adding jobs. We're not being as smooth as we should be. So the S&P 500 is trading at 12.9 times profit. That's incredibly low. In February 2011, we were trading at 15.9 times so for bears, the decline in valuation shows the weakest recovery from any recession in seven decades as exhausted buyers and signaling investors expect the economy to slow further. But bulls are saying, you know, this is the time to buy. Payroll gains are slow, but yet corporate America continues to make record profits or near record profits is the right way of saying that. So do we get to another earnings season? Does the Fed continue to raise uh, low keep low rates? I think you got to take it when you can get it. And this is a better time to be buying than at the beginning of the year when the market rallied huge in the first three months of the year. With that said, when it was rallying for the first three months of the year, I said, this is great. Enjoy. Uh, we are in a bit of a summer of discontent. This is not a great time to be uh, feeling wonderful about the economy. China's purchasing managers index dropped to 50.4, reading from 53.3 in April. Uh, showing a tightening. German's two-year note yields fell below z- uh, zero for the first time. The euro weakened to 1.22. Germany's the only good thing going on in Europe right now is the bottom line. So we kind of feel like a hostage right now. You know, I don't think the world's going to end in 2012. We're generating some jobs, not a lot, but risk aversion is astronomical, and that's just how things are, and you can't control that. So my advice to you is be a beautiful young person, enjoy your life, and don't stress too much about why the market's not rallying the way it should be. 
So buying stocks on a bad day is typically a wonderful thing to do. Last year's sell-off in U.S. equity markets coincided with a decline in the forecast for 2012 GDP growth from 3.15% down to 2%. We, the world's largest economy, is going to grow 2.3% this year, according to most expectations. That's good. We don't have to worry about ratcheting down growth expectations because we've already ratcheted them down. And that should keep a floor on stock prices at these levels. Will it? Definitively, don't know. Right now, we got the Dow down 10. We got the NASDAQ up 3, the S&P 500 down 2. Oil sits at $83 a barrel. We should be having some uh, pretty good things at the pump sooner than later. And that should help because Americans will spend that money. Uh, Speaking of Americans... There's some crazy statistics on, on dentistry. One in four people over 60 have no teeth in America. One in four. No teeth. Not zero. We'll talk a little bit about dentistry and insurance. We'll talk about investing. We'll talk about financial planning. We've got plenty of show left for you. You can find me at robblack.com. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. We'll take a break here on AM 1220, KDOW. On the Merry Cow's tortured brow That Mickey Mouse has grown up You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money On AM 1220 KDOW Rob Black for Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Before I went to break, I talked a little bit about dental. And it's an interesting topic, in my opinion. Um, it's expensive. And dental prices seem to vary like golden clay, right? I mean, they're totally different. You can go to one dentist and pay 2000 bucks for. Uh, a laminate, a veneer. You can get another one, pay 5000 And you don't understand the difference. Um, insurance has never really figured out the dental industry. You know, uh, Delta Dental provides 56 million Americans with coverage, but the caps is incredibly low. So one procedure and you can end up spending all your money. You know, a $10,000 annual cap, no one would be able to pay for. NASA Associates Dental Providers said it's less than 3% of enrollees met or exceeded their cap in 2009. If people in their 70s weren't reaching their annual max very often, and yet today, still they're not, it seems to indicate that there's not a big problem with annual maximum levels. But roughly one quarter of Americans over the age of 65 have lost all their teeth. That's a crazy statistic. That's crazy. 42% of Americans don't have any dental insurance at all. Now, at Costco, customers pay an annual membership fee of $75 to $150 in exchange for access to a network of dentists who've pre-negotiated discounted prices. And that seems to be the only way to go. There's a website called brighter.com where you can negotiate lower health care costs, but it still differs like gold and clay. And sometimes you'll walk into a dentist office and say, okay, I got this price and 
they go, well, that's not our price. We didn't set that. Other stories of note today include, but not limited to, again, the market is struggling. It's summertime. There's low valuations, but there's also very low expectations for the future. The 10-year treasury is at a level where it's predicting global recession. That's got people freaked out. Oil plunges to an eight-month low. On that jobs report that came out Friday where unemployment ticked higher. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democratic in any way, shape, or form. Try not to be political. Don't see the point in it. But how can we reelect President Barack Obama with this high of unemployment? You can't say he inherited the whole thing because he did spend a trillion plus dollars in the, for each year in the first three years of his presidency, and it's not really sticking. Dow's down 18, the SP 500 down two, the NASDAQ up four. Oil sits at $83 a barrel. People are upset with politicians, and I understand that, and I, I think that's, you know, comes to the territory. Seems to get a little bit worse each and every year, but it does seem to come with the territory. Something that most people are, I think, pretty comfortable with at this point in time. So taking a look at the United States, we are in much better condition than, say, Europe. I don't think we've got the future growth of, say, Asia. But I don't feel terribly awful about where we are. If you have a job, you're probably pretty well off um, in that capitalism is working. You know, one can hear a rumble in the background, though, of every conversation talking about, you know, a slowdown in the, the economy. The worldwide work week is something we pay attention to. The unemployment rate's 11% in Europe. It's 8.2% in the United States. There's a recession in the UK. We're starting to look at China, India, and Brazil as slowing, also known as our BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, and China. This week, the Bank of Canada, European Central Bank, the ECB, and the Reserve Bank of Australia all will meet, and they all will have the opportunity to address the global market. So we'll hear what other countries are thinking and why. We'll continue to pay attention to the Spanish bond yield. It soared 166 basis points since March 1. 100 basis points equals 1%. Germany and the United States are testing historical lows in interest rates. Financial conditions have tightened over the past two months, and they've deteriorated noticeably over the past six weeks. There's risk right now that a financial shock to one country will lead to a disruption in all countries. Germany and the ECB will be waiting for the crisis to spread. They're trying to kick the can down the road. They're going to need to recapitalize Spanish banks. There's a crisis. 14% decline in the commodities index over the past 60 days indicates risk of disinflation arising, providing cover for the Bank of England and Federal Reserve to act and introduce more monetary stimulus. So you're going to continue to see the Federal Reserve continue what was called Operation Twist. They will change their bias towards selling short-term treasuries and buying mortgage-backed securities to bring down long-term rates. 
mortgage rates continue to tick ever so slightly lower. And that's a really good thing if you're a homeowner or you plan to be a homeowner in the next year. There's a lot of positives going on. Some other stories that we have to continue to pay attention to, in my opinion. Um, I think I've hit the European debt crisis pretty well. The U.S. Uh, mortgage market, the U.S. housing market's doing pretty well, and the U.S. auto market also doing pretty well at this point in time. So we're continuing to watch that and you know pay attention to it. Um, and try to find what positives we can. Technology continues to roll out. Here's an interesting little story. I know this is going to say you're... Let's try to offend somebody in this story, Rob. Okay, we'll do. Indian Americans have won 10 of the last 14 spelling bees. After spelling the word Gudapins, big smile broke out on a 14-year-old Indian American from California. She won the 2012 Scripps Spelling Bee Championship. In second place was another Indian American. In third place, that's right, another Indian American. In fourth place and fifth place, two more Indian Americans. Fifth straight year that an Indian American has won the Spelling Bee. Tenth in the last 14 years. It's stunning the fact that Indians would, would run away with a part of our education system, but they have. First generation immigrant parent brings with him her a set of memories about how education works and what it's to be valued. For a lot of Indian Americans, it's a memory of endless class tests doled out on a regular basis to evaluate ability to retrieve information, spelling of words, names, capitals, cash crops, estates, length of rivers, heights, mountains. In America, what we're finding out is our children educated at the secondary level in a radically, radically different way than in India. So we're not very good at spelling bees as American-born Americans. <laughs> Indian Americans... Not a problem. I don't know what that story tells me other than our education system needs some work. Factory orders in the United States unexpectedly decline. More bad news hitting the market this morning. Orders to U.S. factories fell in April for a second month, pointing to a deceleration in manufacturing. If orders aren't being placed, people aren't going to work. Is that simple enough for you? If people aren't punching the time clock, they may not be paying their mortgage. If people aren't paying their mortgage... They hurt the banking system. If people aren't paying their mortgage, they probably aren't going on vacation. So the waitress in, in Orlando not being taken care of. We're in a period now where the economy is cooling. Businesses are getting more defensive. Bookings for durable goods, those meant to last three years, were unchanged in the month of April. If you exclude transportation from the equipment order this morning, orders actually fell 1.1%. Our auto industry is doing great. Everyone else, not so much. Foreign demand we know is going to continue to weaken. Expiration at the end of 2011 of a tax incentive allowing 100% depreciation on equipment purchases may have prompted to slow down investments this year. 
Federal Reserve measure showing manufacturing output, which makes up 75% of industrial production. It did rebound in April. So we already knew some of this data. U.S. industrial economy remains pointed in a very positive direction. Cranes, rigging tools, huge projects from Deere. Ultimately, the numbers in manufacturing are pretty good, but pointed in the wrong direction. Facebook, the world's biggest social network, lower today. An analyst from Sanford Bernstein came out and said, let's call it a $25 price target and underperform. The analyst said, it's difficult to argue for owning the stock today. A near-term slowdown in sales growth is going to fuel concerns about full-year sales. The deceleration may prove to be a temporary setback if over time Facebook manages to improve monetization of its inventory, both PC and mobile-based, and maybe maximize the value of social advertising. But one analyst day calling it a $25 stock. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We've got the Dow down 21, the NASDAQ up 2, the SP 500 down 3. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back on Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220, KDOW. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, website, robblack.com. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Fear is dominating the financial landscape, primarily tied towards Eurozone concerns, ongoing worries surrounding how much more the emerging economic recovery is going to slow in the coming months. A weak jobs report for the month of May, which happened last May and the previous May. Against this anxious backdrop, the U.S. economy, which is showing increasing signs of broadening and leaving the strongest impression yet of a sustainable recovery. Spring swoon. We had it last year. We're having it this year. Will we have it next year? Don't know. Investors are facing a familiar decision. Should they heed the warnings of the Armageddon event that's going to hit the Eurozone? Should they watch out for a hard landing in China? Should they try to avoid a potential fiscal cliff in the United States into this year? All of our taxes all of our tax cuts and tax breaks that have been put in place to try to stimulate the economy will go away. Are we crisis neurotic? Should we inspire greed or fear right now? Bank lending has risen steadily in the last year. Mortgage lending is quite anemic right now, but if you have been able to refinance, which trust me, it is a chore, you're probably pretty well off. Doesn't my microphone sound awesome? I think it sounds awesome today. The big recovery that we've had right now in our economy has happened 100% without 
the housing industry, although the housing industry started to chip in a little bit. If we've had 2.4% annualized real GDP without housing, what would it be with housing? Keep in mind, housing it creates a lot of jobs. Electricians, paint people, stylists, designers, companies like William Sonoma all benefit. I think you get the idea. So there is some positives going on out there, and you have to see them. Otherwise, I think you're uh, misleading yourself. Talk of fiscal union in Europe is supporting the euro versus the dollar right now. European Union got together and said, hey, let's be a union and use one currency. But they never really got together and figured out politics or spending. The euro gained ground on the dollar today. Speculation the European leaders will move forward to strengthen fiscal union across their shared currency. News reports over the weekend indicated European officials are weighing a move to increase that coordination in the eurozone. Such policy would move the eurozone towards a much more integrated fiscal union, providing much better credit support for the region, including the prospect of euro bonds, which is something they sorely need, but... Germans don't want to bring on debt so the Greeks will go out and blow. What else do we need to talk about this morning in the world of tech, in the world of media? Android's user growth has slowed to its lowest rate since 2009. Facebook is getting ready to start signing up kids under 13. Not sure how I apparently feel about that. They've already got 900 million monthly users. That's not enough of them. They're going to try to change their age restriction policy. How do you feel about that? Hmm. Larry Summers. He is projected uh, probably the most provocative stimulus out there. He's saying instead of focusing on lowering the already low interest rates, governments that enjoy such low borrowing costs can improve their creditworthiness by borrowing more, not less, and investing in improving their future fiscal position, even assuming no positive demand stimulus, effects of a time are likely to materialize with negative real rates. So he's basically saying, you want to fix our problems? Borrow money now for the future, which is interesting. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. I think the incredible low rates are one of the best things that are going right now for me. When you redo your 30-year mortgage, you'll see that for the next 30 years, not for the next three years, not for the next three months, for the next 30 years, you're going to have an incredibly low rate of money that we've never seen before in the United States. And that should create stimulus. Stimulus in the short term, if it gets the economy back to normal growth, can lead to healthier government balances. So should we borrow more? Absolutely. Should we try to figure out our spending and and wasteful projects that we have in the United States and the world? Definitively. So it's not just one or the other. I think it has to be very much so both. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. See where we're going again. 
We got the Dow down two, the S and P five hundred down one, the Nasdaq up seven. Oil's down to eighty three dollars a barrel. That's a stunningly low number in my head. I feel that oil hasn't really hit inflation much in our lifetime. I remember being a teenager paying almost as much for gas. I remember it ebbed and flowed. Um, I know my house has appreciated a lot more than oil has over the last 30 years. I know my wages have inflated a lot more. So why is oil never truly inflationary? It's a good question. It's something you need to think about. Why it hasn't been sticky prices higher for longer periods of time. You can find me at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. You can find me at YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Website, robblack.com. Don't be shy. I'd like to get some tweets this morning at Rob Black Show. If you tweet me, I will answer it today on the air. Tweet me at Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. Come back for the second hour. You listen to Rob Black and Your Money, AM 1220, KDOW. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. We could talk about anything that's on your financial mind. From insurance to investing to 401ks to what to do in a market that doesn't seem to make any sense. Anything that you want to talk about. We can talk about gold. That's an issue that everyone seems to have an opinion on. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Picking a side is pointless in my opinion. Gold defies efforts to calculate its worth or how it even behaves as an investment at times. There's no real reason to invest in it, in my opinion, until you're older and or wealthier. You got to own some gold to sleep better, so some says some people. That's kind of like a multivitamin approach. A little can't hurt you, but a lot of multivitamins will hurt you. A lot of people over vitamin. Gold is prone to long booms and long busts. You know, it multiplied five times in value over a decade. And that mocked stocks. Before that, it lost money for 20 straight years. Some investors look at gold as a safe haven. I look at it as a metal that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not against it. I just find that some people are a little bit too for it. Some people say gold is a hedge against inflation, which is true. And it's true of any good service that consumers can be counted on to want in coming years, such as oil or poultry from farms. 
had some of the best chicken of my life yesterday. Some of you gold as real money. I personally don't. When was the last time you saw someone use a gold coin in the United States or practically anywhere? Investors are determined to pick up some stock of gold companies. You know, the gold miners are down 10%. There's some value there, probably. The gold market vectors, gold miners, GDX. You know, inside of a, a index of gold plays would be like Rand Gold Resources, New Gold, New Mining Gold Resources. But I'm not really comfortable telling you to go out and buy gold. It's not for the average person. If you're wealthy and want to hedge your wealth, sure, I can make a case for it. The gold miners, they're a business? Absolutely. And I can make a case for them. What I really want to do is, for the average person, start you know figuring out your 401k. 401ks dropped nearly 3% in the month of May. I know some people, in fact, I was talking to one this weekend, where they didn't realize that the company they worked for was matching how much they were putting into their 401k. They were f- ignoring free money. Sometimes your company will match 3%. Sometimes they'll match 6%. Sometimes they won't match. Sometimes, some years they'll match and some years they won't. But that's free money. It's free money. So retirement savers, their average 401k was only down 3%, even though last month, even though the market was down 6%. Retirement accounts are getting more diversified, and now you're starting to see the value of diversification. Year-to-date, the average 401k is up more than 7%. Nearly 94.5% of 401k participants had more money in their accounts on May 31 than they did when the market peaked in October 2007. So I like what I'm seeing. we got to keep it up, though, America. we got to keep maxing out the 401k. It's a wise approach to creating wealth in your lifetime. Ignoring the noise is probably the best thing you could do if you want to be a successful investor. If you want to be successful at anything, you got to learn to avoid the noise. And I, I can't say that enough. If you're in a relationship that you happen to love that person and your friends are like, eh, I don't see you enough, avoid the noise and you'll be in a successful relationship. If you're wealthy, if you avoid the noise, you'll stay wealthy. If you're an investor, if you avoid the noise, you'll do well. But most people can't avoid the noise. And that's the funny part about it, or that's the sad part about it. One of the things everyone should be doing right now, if you have a mortgage, is consider refinancing or at least look into it. I use Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com, but... Rates are, are low, and they keep getting lower. This is amazing. This is a, a miraculous time. So mortgages, mortgage costs are low. In large part, the 10-year treasury dipped below 2% and it kept dipping. So you got to take a look. You have to take a look at potentially getting a mortgage right now or refinance on a mortgage. 
Low appraisals and tight lending standards are making it difficult for people to borrow and to refinance. Homeowners can save a bundle. If you have a $400,000 mortgage at 4.75%, you'd save $200 a month. That's your whole retirement plan. That's all you need to save a month in order to get to a million dollars over a long period of time. 20.5 million American homeowners have mortgages with rates above 5% and are current on their loan payments. They all could benefit from this. You know, uh, at the start of the year, I had a 4.8% mortgage. Now it's down to 3.7. I'm doing even better. So five of the nation's biggest banks, Ally Financial, Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, they're all required to refinance certain underwater borrowers. Clogged mortgage pipelines means it takes a lot longer to get a mortgage today than it did a couple years ago. A couple things you can do is repair your credit. Right now, if you want to get a loan, if you want to get flyby, you want to start fixing your credit now. So you have time to clean it up. Do it. That credit score that hits an annual, or that credit score that hits a, a level will make your refinancing get done easier and faster. You can get your credit report by going to annualcreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com, or you can even call and get a copy of your credit report. Now, wh- who do you call? It's not Ghostbusters. It's 877-322-8228. That's 877-322-8228. Um, some people should look at 15-year mortgages right now. A 25-year mortgage? There's so many great options. I think you want to go with a broker who could shop your loan to various lenders. I would never walk into a bank and say, redo my mortgage now. Because it just simply doesn't work like that. So I prefer that you get a good lender who can shop you around. And uh, again, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me in a variety of ways. You can find me online at RobBlack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Let's take a quick look at the tweets, see if anything's coming in. And here's one. Love the show. What do you think about buying fertilizers like Monsanto and Potash? Nice play in the long term. Uh, Let me take a look during the commercial break, and I'll I'll give you a little bit more thought on buying fertilizers. It's AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I had a question about fertilizers that was tweeted to me at Rob Black Show, at Rob Black Show, which if you know Twitter, you just it's that little thing. Um, I think long term, I, I like Monsanto. I like potash. I think it can be accumulated in your lifetime. 
I think it is a lifetime kind of investment, a lifetime kind of play to play on desertification of the world and the, the lack of water, to play on the population continuing to boom. And it, that's going to become a huge problem with our resources. And companies like Monsanto will do well. Um, let's do a Chad segment here. Bring in the one, the only CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Best way to reduce shocks to a portfolio, both in retirement as well as in youth. Thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, world events. Let's let's just look at the last decade. We've seen a tech bubble, and then we saw a real estate bubble, and now we're right in the middle of a debt bubble. We've seen Greece. We're dealing with issues of Spain and Italy now. Uh, what's next, Iran? I, I mean, think, I think it's going to be Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble? I think he's making a resurgence, and people are going to say, the next bubble is Mr. Bubble. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go with that. So the best way that I've seen to to reduce the shocks in overall portfolio is to stay diversified and rebalance often. Not sexy. I know. Well, I mean, here's here's the deal, though. When when people come and talk about asset allocation, it can go into other levels. For example, in your bond portfolio, do you own not only corporate bonds, high yield bonds, government bonds in the form of tips? Um, you know, also international bonds. I mean, if you're earning, if the dollar falls, for example, let's say inflation is a shock or a falling dollar is a shock to the overall market. If you're earning interest in other currencies and foreign bonds, that's a good hedge against the dollar. But the best way to do it is to make sure you have emergency reserves. And when you're, you know, young and working at six to 12 months of your family's expenses in cash. So if you need, you know, $4,000 a month to keep the lights on and the food on the table in your house, you need six times that a minimum in cash. Can you put that in muni bonds? No. Because I get that question all the time, people who want to use their cash to get higher returns. Now, potentially, I mean, there's, there's you know, California tax-free money market accounts, and that's okay. You've saw, you've seen issues, though, where that has you know, had issues of, of returns. You saw a couple of money market funds break the buck in 2008 and nine. That's a, um, that's a phrase, just to let people know, that... We never thought the the buck could be broken, right? Because most money market shares trade at a dollar a share all the time, and the institution never wants to give you ninety nine cents back because that would be shameful for them. Well, and most money market funds are costing mutual fund families money now to keep them at a dollar. Gotcha. Because you can't hunt for yield. They were hunting for yield in European bank paper, and they're pretty much out of it at this point. So it's harder to even keep. You know their interest rates above zero, but with that said, it's you know when you're in retirement or close to retirement, you need three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash because world events will occur. Seven out of ten years are positive, three out of ten years are negative. To get through those negative years in the market when you can't rebalance your portfolio and peel off gains because there aren't any, right? You've got to have the cash to live off of. If you look at your portfolio over all of the last three bubbles that we've had, balanced portfolios have averaged over six percent unless you drew on them when they were down. In that case, you're way behind. So to, to ward that off, you've got to invest the right way in asset allocation, have different asset classes that are doing well um, when the stock market isn't, and you've got to have cash for when everything is doing poorly. Like 2009, asset allocation, everything fell off a cliff. Even gold fell off a cliff in a really ugly time because hedge funds were having to sell it to meet redemptions. Okay, let's ask, let me ask some questions. And you, short answers, okay? Okay. At this moment in time, do you own corporate bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own high-yield bonds? Yes. At this moment in time, do you own tips? Yes. Treasuries? 
yes, in the intermediate term. I'm not. I can't tell you if I will in 12 months. But how about right dividend now. achievers? Oh, majority of the stock portfolio. Okay. 100% of our individual stocks, dividend achievers, and a good portion of our balanced ETF no load fund portfolio is dividend achiever. And you know, like in a bullish market, that most of those are going to underperform the bullish stocks. But yet, you still have to do it. And in a bearish market, those are going to save you. Well, that's so you're oversimplifying. You're oversimplifying because I think actually in a dividend achiever, um, well, not okay. just dividend paying stocks, those have underperformed a bull market. Dividend achievers are growing companies that still pay a dividend. So the yield isn't as high, but their growth, you, you look for growth there too. But where they get, you know, in a dividend achiever, where you 2009, for example, the income in the stock portfolio still went up, even though the overall market was down, yep. because you're, divi- you're buying companies that raise their dividend. So between your three years' worth of expenses and cash and your dividends that come in on a quarterly basis, you've got that hedge. I mean, the way that I do it is I'm always at least hedging you know, five to seven years' worth of income so I know I don't have to sell anything. If we go through a period of like 2000 when the market topped out, tanked down to 2003, and then recovered by 2007, I want to be able to get people through those types of periods because they're going to be retired from 65 to 100. Okay, probably what I should have said is that sometimes these basket of income producers make us feel like I wish the money was elsewhere. In hindsight, I wish I had it all at Apple, mm-hmm. but you just can't do it. No, asset allocation, you're going to have to realize that when the market is a 100% bull market, um, you will underperform a little bit because your bonds won't be keeping up with the, the stocks. You're uh, you know, your your emerging markets tend to fall more than the S and P five hundred in a na- in a negative year, but they tend to do better in a in a good year. So it it's it all rotates, it all reverts to the mean. Talking best ways to reduce shocks in a portfolio in retirement at CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at Law Online, ChadBurton.com. That's ChadBurton.com or his company, NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. He and I do seminars around the Bay Area all the time. You can come out and meet him. He's a good guy. I think you'll grow to like him. So there's always things to talk about in the world of investing, in the community of money. Um, 401ks are your primary goal to getting retirement. Absolutely. But also stop making financial mistakes. Uh, if you have cable TV and you're not maxing out your 401k, you got to kill the cable TV. If you have a drinking problem and you're not maxing out your 401k, you got to Kill that drinking problem. I know it sounds crazy, but it's very, very true in the way that I just want you to have a comfortable retirement plan. Is that too much to ask? Probably not. Ford's introducing some new F-150 vehicles for 2013. And they're trying a new grill outside uh, the vehicle. Minor changes are significant because the F-Series pickups have been the best-selling vehicles in the United States for decades. They make a lot of money on their trucks. The 2013 changes uh, come two years after a major update for 2011 that included minor appearance changes, but an entirely new array of powertrains. So uh, these are things that you think about. I'm not a big investor in cars, in Ford or GM. I like their debt enormously, but not necessarily the stocks. But I could be wrong. It's fine. AM 1220, KDOW. Financial.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and much, much more. Anything that you want to talk about, I'll take a crack at it. One thing that this 2012 will be the year of, in my opinion, it will be the year of the Facebook IPO, where a lot of people got schooled about IPO pricing, IPO thoughts. Initial public offerings are priced by investment bankers serving as underwriters. The price is determined largely by an auction style of pricing done manually through phone calls. Investment bankers to large institutions make the call. They get longstanding relationships. They build it from there. The pricing is done in an old-fashioned way. Investment bankers will actually ask them what they would be willing to pay. The question is never phrased that way, but that's the way it plays. Bankers start taking orders with a range of prices and eventually begin to develop a sense of demand at various price levels. Institutional investors are the only persons invited to participate in IPOs. Now, Google's IPO was done with an open auction. Google's IPO is the only IPO that I wish I would have bought in the last 10 years. Some of the institutional investors participate in the IPO sometimes for unrelated to the specifics of the stock. They dump the stock as soon as it's issued. They may want to maintain their relationship with a broker in order to be called early on the next IPO. They, they like the stock, but they weren't allocated a large enough position to make it significant. They might be selling because they believe they can flip for a quick buck to less sophisticated private investors, i.e. you. There's a long history of exploiting retailers, retail investors through IPOs. Peter Lynch, one of the most famous mutual fund managers of all time, who, by the way, was just a just an ass when I got to interview him. Just total baby. But he's the famous, famous, famous mutual fund manager of the Magellan Fund. He used to preach that you should buy the stock of a company whose products you believe in and whose products you recently discovered. That advice ignores the one basic concept retail investors that they have to know is how do you properly price a stock? A lot of retail investors, i.e. you, professional investors, we prey on you. Institutions have an intention of buying from the IPO to flip it to eager you. And you weren't part of the inner circle, the initial public offering. You didn't get in long before. You got in long after everyone else did. Facebook's S-filing in 2012 said that they were seeing a trend of users towards smartphones and tablets that they haven't really figured out how to monetize the smartphone. A declining trend of revenue per user could be associated with a rising trend of smartphone usage. That could seriously impact their revenues. I rarely get on Facebook on my desktop anymore. I always get on Facebook on my phone. Now, keep in mind, I only have a Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, for basically the purposes of marketing my business and marketing me to you, letting you know where I'm going to be. What's the next seminar? You can find out by going to robblack.com. But I'll also post it on my Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. 
So Facebook also ran into some problems with the NASDAQ. An incredible surge of orders. They weren't able to process it properly. Processing of orders was so disorganized that some people who had placed orders canceled them before the stock started trading. Nevertheless, those orders got filled. You know, uh, one Facebook IPO aftermarket guy, he ordered 200 shares at 44, then canceled the order and placed another with a limit of 42, canceled that. Of course, all of that occurred before trading on Friday. He actually placed his orders on Thursday. He got 400 shares. He has no clue what he paid for. Like, it was that messy of an IPO. I, I, I hate to be like, I told you so, but you really shouldn't be buying IPOs. 85% of them underperformed the S&P 500 in their first year. A lot of institutional investors prey on you. There's short positions that start coming online that you don't know about. There's trading in the stock that you don't know about. There's limited disclosure from analysts who are looking at the company before it's publicly traded. So sorting through all of that, good luck. Now, on occasion, I'll, I'll say things that are a little bit more crude, a little bit more mean, a little less nice. But you know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to save you from hurting yourself. One area that I see people hurt themselves every single time is marriage. Spending 20000 bucks. 30,000 bucks. The average wedding now costs $27,021. And yet, if you invested that money, let's say you get married at 25, that would be 54,000 by the time you hit 36. It would be 108,000 by the time you hit 44. It would be 220,000 by the time you hit 51. It would be about half a million dollars by the time you retire at 60. So the average wedding costs about half a million dollars to me. Weddings occur at every price point. Mark Zuckerberg, he of limited dollars. How much did he spend on his wedding? You know, you can plan a wedding. Again, it's all about who you marry and keeping the sexiness and the love alive. A lot of people could spend $5,000 or less in a backyard. You know, 20 people. That's all you need. Private location in a garden. When you rent a private venue, it could cost five to 20000 bucks. Food at a wedding could be simple like a barbecue or light appetizers or wine and champagne. Wedding dresses. Oh, good God, don't get me started. Let's just say $500 to $1,000 easy. And you don't have to do that. It's all, do you want a half a million dollars at retirement or not? It's, it's all optional. Again, your perfect mate will be a perfect mate on a private beach in Hawaii. Plus, you'll have Hawaii. You know, if you rent a, a museum, if you bring your own food. I once was at a wedding, and for the record, every wedding that I go to, I bet against how long. I threw down odds at the table how long the wedding's going to last. Don't invite me to a wedding because I'm basically openly mocking you. You know, some people want a, a wow factor to try and impress their guests. Like, I'll tell you what, if I'm going to have wedding food, I'm certainly not going cheap. 
again, you may say, Rob, you sound cheap. You sound like like a, a tightwad. And in no way, shape, or form am I. I just I prefer to spend my money on the location that I go to of my honeymoon versus the location of trying to impress you, who I really don't care about you. I just care about that one other person. So do you, do I want to give you a crab claw for sitting at a table betting on how long my marriage is going to last? Probably not. Dance lessons for, for couples who want to impress their guests? You will never, ever, ever get me out on a dance floor. Unless I'm doing my ghetto white rap music. Because I like the ghetto music. Gaga will make me lose my mind. Up in here, up in here. So every wedding planner will have a suggestion on how to cut costs. I will plan your wedding for you. Forget the favors. Forget the guests. Forget the location. Elope. Have a nice party when you come back. Invite people to show them the the pictures. Instead of paying a a wedding photographer, I'm sorry for all you wedding photographers out there, but I find you kind of creepy as an industry. You way overcharge people. I'd prefer you get an art student at a local college. Pay them 200 to 600 bucks. You know, why pay a photographer 2,000 bucks? I know, I know, that local art student may lose your photos. Fine. <laughs> Keep in mind, 50% of marriages aren't going to work, period. Just throwing it out there for you. One of the areas that I love talking about and trying to get you motivated is be ready to fail. You're going to fail in life. You're going to fail in business. It's inevitable. Failures could be small. Failures could be huge. I like setbacks. Others don't. I do. I look for causes, not blame. When I fail, I can control the causes in the future. I don't want to have a value judgment where I freak out on someone. I want to figure out what I did wrong. I'm growth-oriented, and I have a fix-it mindset. I believe in getting help. I see a therapist because I need help. There's no shame in seeking help. I've done it when I've been down. I've done it when I've been up. And it's always helped me immensely. I always, when I do fail, refocus my efforts and take good action. But again, I always look for causes, not blame. And again, failure is not a bad thing. We make it bad. So I started a company. I could tell you I made mistakes along the way. I've done everything I can to fix those mistakes through the process. With that out there, I'd be uh, remiss not to throw out my favorite phrase. Sometimes you take a pie in the face. Sometimes you're hip deep in pie. I love pie. And that's why I don't mind failing. If that makes any sense to you at all, it should. You listen to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, much, much more. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me at Facebook, I Hate Rob Black. And find me online at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's squeeze in a caller, Travis in Discovery Bay. Travis? Uh, how you doing? Good. Um, I was actually uh, kind of, I've never really called on the radio before, but um, I was uh, listening to you talk about the wedding um, the wedding thing about, you know, spending normally 27000 and um, just it's kind of gotten crazy lately with uh, people just wasting their money on, on uh, something, I mean, that's supposed to be, you know, nice for the two people, but it ends up being for everybody else. And uh, I recently just got engaged, um, my, and my fiancé kind of had that impression or had that $30,000 wedding in her in her head, and luckily I wish she was listening to what you were just saying, too, because I've basically been preaching the same stuff about um, trying to just get her and I just to more so elope. But what we came to a, an agreement on was we're going to be going to Cabo and getting married in two years and um, just bringing the immediate family. And then when we get back, maybe having a little party with everyone else, but not having a big 200-person wedding that's going to cost us 30000 in Cabo. I think it starts off at like 3000 and it's in Cabo where we were looking at Livermore and it was 16000 which is right, you know, in our backyard. So it's just kind of crazy to to think about something like that. But my question to you is, um, uh, in, you know, in two years since I'm getting married, I, I do have uh, some cash right now that I'm just keeping in my savings account because I'm, uh, I just heard some like scary, scary stuff about before the election. Now it's the stocks, stocks aren't really the best to get into, but that might just be, stocks are great to get into. Talk. You want to buy when they're down. So what's your question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and my question is, uh, what do you, what do you, uh, advice to give to me for the next two years of saving for that wedding in Cabo. Um, what okay. what should I do with my cash now? Should I keep it in savings or should I be buying stocks right now since, like no. you said, they are low? Okay, I'll throw it out there for you. And how much money do you make a year? Uh, about 57000 How much does she make per year? Uh, about fifty-three. Okay. Thanks for the call. Um, I'll go through some ideas for you. First and foremost, you said, I'm saving for two years from now a wedding. Um, I would keep that in cash or a cash equivalent. The craziest thing I would consider owning is a Ginny Mae fund. Uh, Google Ginny Mae fund. Google Fidelity Ginny Mae fund. I'd call Fidelity 800 Fidelity and say, I want to open up a, a, an account. I want to start funding money. I want to have it automatically go from my bank account into your account. It's actually your account, um, Travis. So you're going to open an account at, at Fidelity. You're going to send from your bank 200 bucks a month to your Travis mutual fund account at Fidelity automatically wires it in there. Boom. That's how you start saving. And if you want, I would keep it in, like I said, a Ginny Mae fund is the craziest I would do. It's two years from now. You need that money too short. You don't invest in stocks unless you have five years more, period. A couple things I'll throw out to you. Congratulations on convincing her not to do the $30,000 wedding. As a couple who makes $100,000, you'd be crazy. Some things you need to start thinking about. Will you commingle money or not with your spouse? Um, does she have an inheritance coming? She should probably shouldn't commingle it with you. A lot of marriages don't work out. So you need to start saving right now for your wedding, and you're doing it. So call 800 Fidelity and start. I would say goodbye to separate checkbooks as soon as you get married. Pull your money into one checking account, but you can have your savings and your investments in separate accounts. Just my opinion. People fight over money. If you're writing a check, she's writing a check for, you know, one month is rent, one month is, you know, she's paying for the vacation. 
people end up getting bitter over that. So I like pulling cash flows in relationships. Update your beneficiaries. You've uh, probably dated other women. She's probably dated other men. She might have her beneficiaries in the wrong names. So update your insurance policies, your retirement plans, your annuities, your IRAs. Start addressing debt. Have a conversation right now about debt with her. When you met her, you probably did an HIV sexual diseases test. It's time to do a credit test. Both of you need to pull your credit reports and figure out if you have anything crazy looming. You've got to figure out where your money goes. Got to start tracking expenses. Best thing you could do is get an account with um, I'm a mint.com, M-I-N-T.com, M-I-N-T.com. Being engaged for two years is kind of crazy. My advice to you is be engaged for less than a year. I'd prefer you, you get it over with. Personally, if you're going to marry her, marry her. The longer you stay engaged, the more likely y'all are both going to go crazy. You need to create some ground rules for spending. If you don't get married after a year, a lot of couples never get married. Create some ground rules for spending. Any purchase over 300, 400, 500, whatever the number is, that's great. But you also have to have some joint goals. You both need to save 10 to 15% of your paychecks. So in your case, let's say you make 50000 you need to save at least, in my opinion, 5000 a year for your retirement. At least 5000 a year for your retirement. And she does too. And if y'all can't do that, you may love each other. And you'll be singing, even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with you, honey, every single day. But you're not going to have money and it's going to suck. It's going to stink. It's going to be awful. You need to consolidate your credit cards. You need to buy term life insurance on anyone whose income is important to the relationship. You need to be savers, not spenders. You're moving out of that spending part of your life. You need to organize your documents. That includes things like birth certificates, marriage certificates, tax records, social security cards. My top 10 tips for being young and married is start saving today. You know, that, that's number one. It always has been. It always will be. My advice for people who are single is get married at some point in time. There's a lot of benefits. I know you're saying, are you crazy? There's a lot of benefits in being married and being a couple. One of the most important things you both need to do, either as a single couple or as a married couple, is protect your income. You sounded pretty young there, so which basically means you got 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years left of work. So you need to protect that ability to go to work. It's the best thing you have going for you. Everyone needs to have disability insurance. Everyone who has an income needs to have disability insurance, especially if that income is important to your lifestyle. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Twitter, Rob Black Show, AM 1220, KEDOW. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Part of the Wall Street Business Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.